This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Carol James, Finance Minister, is at the podium unveiling the 2020 budget, which means we can now connect with Global BC online journalist based at the legislature. Richard Zussman is with us. Welcome back to the land of cell phones, Richard. Hi, Jody. It's good to be back. What have I missed in the world? Oh, boy. How much time do you have? Yeah. Right, exactly. Not much, because we've got to talk about this budget. Let's dive into it, shall we? So the big thing here is a sugar tax on carbonated sweetened beverages. So the PSP on drinks like Coca-Cola, the exemption will now be removed. So we are seeing a 7% increase for the purchase of soft drinks like Coca-Cola, and that will come into effect on June 1st. It's one of Two increased tax measures that are obvious in this budget. The other one, a tax on the richest British Columbians. So those that earn more than $220,000 will end up paying a higher tax rate, now set at 20.5%. The province is estimating that that will bring in $216 million in additional revenues this year. Wow. Okay, so a sugar tax and a wealth tax are the only two tax increases in this budget. Yeah, so those are the main ones. There are some other sort of um, side increases that we may see. One of them was raised as akin to what is a Netflix tax, which is basically effective July 1st of this year. There will be new registration requirements. So Canadian sellers of goods, along with Canadian or foreign sellers of telecommunication services, will be required to register as tax collectors oh. uh, for those with revenues exceeding $10,000. And that could amount uh, to, in essence, um, a tax on uh, product produce or um, content producers and is projecting to bring in about $11 million to the province's bottom line. Wow. Not an insignificant sum of money there either. Um, what else is marquee on today's uh, 2020, 2020 budget unveiling? Yeah, so let's go over sort of some of the big highlights, right? So obviously the number everyone likes to look at is the surplus. Yes. We knew it was going to be a balanced budget. The surplus is $227 billion this year. Next year, $179 million and projected to go up to $374 million three years down the road. That's a pretty slim uh, budget surplus, considering how big uh, the expenditures are in a provincial government. It's part of, you know, there's been these global economic forces that have um, taken a toll on British Columbia, but we still are the strongest economy in the country with the strongest credit rating. So that's all good news, but it's still one of those things where there has to be prudence, that Carol James has said. You know, a lot of this budget is being described here as a stand pat budget, not a whole lot of new spending or new investments. We actually saw a decrease or frozen spending in 13 government ministries. The only two uh, mainline ministries that saw increases were health and social services. So, you know, and, and the theme Carol James wants to get past in all this budget is this is a budget looking out for families and looking out on the general issue of affordability. Well, good thing there's no decreased or reduced on uh, health and social services because that would have caused a major outcry, especially with all the news leading up to this on how that silver tsunami is hitting our healthcare system and how we really need to be broadening out and and expanding health services and social services, not contracting. And because health spending is a massive part of this budget, right? We've seen record-breaking health spending, and there are some advocates in here uh, including Paul Kershaw from UBC, who says we should be investing more in social services and programs in order to help um, people's health 
long term. That's sort of an internal debate uh, that will take place. But we're seeing the Ministry of Health budget climb over $22 billion, billion with a B, wow. for the first time ever. There's two other small programs that are worth mentioning as well, Jody, that can address affordability. The BC Child Opportunity Benefit was announced in last year's budget. Yeah. We'll be launching this October, and there's money now for it. It will benefit up to 290,000 families in the province. So families with one child eligible up to $1,600, two children up to 2600 and three children, I think, is about 3600 Also, there's a new need-based grant system for low-to-middle-income post-secondary students. So need-based? 40,000 students, yeah, need-based, so okay. economic need. Yep. Um, and there's a threshold there similar to a Canadian program. That's how they set the income thresholds. Uh, these 40,000 students in BC will be eligible up to $4,000 a year for programs under two years in length and up to $1,000 a year for programs two years and over. Wow, that's not insignificant as well. There are some nope. real solid, I don't, I don't want to call them goodies. There, there's some right. very thoughtful spending here. Yeah, and I was a bit surprised that we've seen some of that substantial stuff. Also, a little bit of uh, funding for revitalizing the forestry industry. But oh, yes. listen to this number. Okay, so, okay. Just $13 million over three years to revitalize the industry. Now, when we look at the revenues to the forestry industry, the province was projecting that the 2020-21 fiscal, they would bring in $1.14 billion in forestry revenues. Well, that projection is now down to $867 million. So we know how hard, and I know there's a group of forestry workers and supporters standing on the lawn of the legislature right now. This is what they're speaking out against, is this frustration that we have seen this sector hit so hard, and the province is committing to helping revitalization, but there's no, there, there's no way they can sort of accommodate for these losses that we're seeing in the industry. There's no filling that gap. That is a multi-hundred million dollar, multi-hundred million dollar yeah. gap. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we're also seeing, you know, ICBC was something that everybody was looking at very, very closely mm-hmm. heading into this budget. It's now sort of treading water. Uh, making some money. Uh, this year, the projection is that ICBC will lose money once again, but it's not in the huge billion-dollar range as we've seen in the past. They're expecting it to lose $91 million this year, but then looking forward, make $86 million 2020-21, make $148 million 2021-22, make $191 million after that, and that uh, accounts for the 20% discount on average on insurance rates that the province is promising when it moves to no fault on May 1st, 2021. I was going to say, it doesn't even move until May of 2021, and that amount of saving and then goes into the black? Yeah, so these savings are really factored in when they made the cap on settlements. Right, right, right. On April 1st, uh, which I know you've talked a lot about, the $5,500 cap on soft tissue injuries. Right. It just feels like it's like slow attrition towards it moving out of like deep, like billion with a B red. And and now we're actually, you know, staring down a possible surplus in a matter of years. That is fantastic news. It's amazing to think, right? Where we were, Jody, and considering how much it's changed with these significant changes uh, that the province has put in. Now, I got a note about uh, some changes with regard to new benchmark mortgage um, testing, stress test. Not anything that I've seen on the mortgage stress test provincially, and not something the minister was asked about. Housing, from what I've heard here, was there were some concerns that the province has actually reduced the number of low um, income units it plans on building, but overall it's sort of a steady um, 
steady as she goes housing strategy. Education's the other one. Oh, do tell, Jody. Please. So I was, I was chatting with Terry Mooring, the head of the BC Teachers Federation. They were calling for hugely substantial funding um, around clearing up some of the gaps we see in some of the more rural areas of the province. Uh, the budget doesn't do that, but it does allocate $339 million in new funding over three years. The money's to hire 4,200 new teachers uh, to address rising enrollment, especially in uh, Surrey, Langford, I think Quitlam, they mentioned Abbotsford, some of the high growth areas in Metro Vancouver and here on Vancouver Island. But it does not address the issue the teachers have with their wages, where they believe they're uh, well underpaid, and Carol James made it clear today that the mandate is the mandate. Two percent over two percent, two 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 and two. Right. Two percent increases over three years is the best that the province can offer in terms of increases on um, on wages for teachers. But three hundred and thirty nine million will impact if it's towards uh, restocking right. teacher stocks. That's going to impact class size and composition, which is another piece of this puzzle. And, and a lot of it has to do with the regions in which are targeted. Yeah. And I think the frustration from Terry Mooring was that this is not directed towards the regions where they say there are undertrained individuals who are in the classroom and shouldn't be. Yeah, no doubt. Um, what about surgical wait times? Is there anything? Oh, you, good one. Yeah. I was looking at that one just now. Were you? Oh, there you go. Okay. Okay. So We're same brain. $50 million bucks this year to address wait times. So what was really interesting is the Ministry of Health and the health authorities haven't decided what surgeries to focus on yet. So over the next few months, they're going to start looking at some outliers to see where they can focus the attention on reducing wait times. One interesting stat I was given today is the big focus up to now, as many people will know, has been on hip and knee replacement surgeries. The province has cut the wait time. So the, the benchmark is more than 26 weeks. Uh, in 2017, 35% of people waited more than 26 weeks. Now it's out to 27%. And so the province believes with more funding and more focus and analyzing where they need the support, they can start addressing wait times in other sectors of the healthcare uh, sector as well. Where in this budget was uh, Indigenous reconciliation, Richard? So there was mentions around uh, Indigenous reconciliation and, and program funding aimed mainly towards young people. So there's discussion in the budget around support for children in care and extending benefits. And, and the province has alluded this to the past, extending benefits beyond children aging out. And I know aging out and foster care is not just an Indigenous issue, but it disproportionately Indigenous people are represented in our care system. No question. Uh, there's also better support uh, for Indigenous communities uh, in the education system as part of sort of the extension of reconciliation. And there's also a section here about titled Meaningful Reconciliation. And Budget 2020 supports reconciliation with Indigenous peoples through new investments for the Cultural Connections Program for Indigenous Children and Youth in Care, the agreement with Young Adults Program and New Indigenous Justice Centers, as discussed um, in, in the budget. So that's, that's directly from page 19 of the provincial budget for those who have popped it up on their computer and are following along at home. Right, and we will have uh, lots more coverage of this as we go into it uh, in depth and on the Linda Steele show coming up uh, after the, your news till 2 o'clock. But I wanted to check in with you on this. I know you've been in lockup. You haven't had your phone. Everything that's been happening outside, you said there was a, the forestry protest, a peaceful protest on the lawn at the B.C. legislature. But what have you been hearing since you came out of isolation about protests who actually went to Premier John Horgan's home today. 
In all honesty, Jody, I turned on my phone and it was ringing and it was you. So oh. I haven't actually looked at anything. I, I know from conversations I've had with people here that had their phones mm-hmm. was that Premier John Horgan left his house this morning. There were protesters lying on his driveway. His wife called. He returned home. Arrests were made. I don't have any more details than that. Premier Horgan was furious that they would come to his house. Yes, I um, imagine that, so. That is that is my only understanding. Um, other than that, I've, I've missed all of it. Thank you for answering our call, Richard Zussman, on what I imagine is... Now I'm way behind on the Twitter game, so i got to catch up. Okay, get in there, buddy. And I will retweet, because I appreciate you like that. I'm sure we'll talk tomorrow. Thank you. I'm sure we'll. Thanks, Jody. That's Richard Zussman. Uh, You can follow along online. Global BC online journalist based at the legislature.